everybody. Welcome to 10 by 9 Nashville on Zoom. 10 by 9 Nashville is a Belfast-originated monthly community storytelling night where nine people have up to 10 minutes each to tell a true story from their life. Every event is free and every event has a theme. Tonight's theme is holidays. We're on Zoom, so our structure will be a bit different. Instead of nine people with 10 minutes each, we have six people with seven minutes each. So we'll have a nice one-hour event of stories, all based on the theme holidays. So a couple of things to keep in mind. Let me just look at the notes. Um, yeah, there will be no break, so we're, we're not going to pause halfway through. It's just an hour. Uh, stay around for the end, if you would, so that you can hear kind of some details about what's coming next for 10 by 9 as well as uh, hear the understory from Ron. We'll tell you more about that in a minute. Great. So um, one of the things that we're, yeah, just to tell you a word about what's happening with 10 by 9, we've recognized that we're essentially now asking you all to compete with like Netflix and other things that are really into storytelling because we're all at home on our computers constantly. And we have a feeling that most people are zoomed out. Uh, the numbers have been significantly dropping from the 120 that we had when we first started on Zoom and it's now dropped significantly. And that makes sense to us. The pandemic I think is wearing on us all. So I think what we're probably gonna do is just pause 10 by nine on Zoom uh, indefinitely until the vaccine has done its work. And when we are back in person, we will resume 10 by nine. So I'll give you some more details about how you can get your 10 by nine fix in the meantime, but we anticipate this being the last 10 by nine Nashville event we will do for the foreseeable future, probably until September. That's, that's what I'm thinking is when we'll be back in person, August or September, that's the hope. So, uh, so savor this, these six stories uh, as we go. All right, so we're gonna get started with our first story. Uh, Brittany Skye is our first storyteller. Uh, Brittany Skye is a writer, creator, mother, and my wife. Uh, and we actually met at 10 by 9 back in August of 2014. The theme was, I was never him again. So come on. Uh, so if you're new to 10 by 9, this is the magic of the event. You meet your spouse here. Uh, unless you've already met your spouse, in which case you may not get much out of it. So I'm just kidding. Uh, so she used to be really trusting, she says, but she learned the hard way to be less naive. If there are any parents listening in with young children watching, you may want to mute for this first story because Brittany's going to reveal some of Santa's secrets. Um, so just be mindful of of that. Uh, this is Brittany's 11th story at 10 by 9. So let's give some snaps for Brittany Sky. Uh, before I get started, my mom is here. So <clears throat> just a little disclaimer. Uh, mom, you may not remember this story the same way I remember it because I was a child. <clears throat> I used to believe anything my family or friends told me. Up until I was 27, I thought boiled water froze faster than cold water because that's something my mom said once, and why would I question her? It wasn't until I told one of my other adult friends this theory that I realized it doesn't make logical sense. So of course, I believed in Santa. Every Christmas was filled with magic. I would get the Toys R Us catalog and cut out the pictures of the things I wanted to ask Santa for, making a list and checking it twice. I'd glue the pictures to a letter for Santa so he knew exactly what I wanted. I would take that list letter to Santa's helper and in the mall and I would sit with him and show him what I wanted to find under our tree on Christmas morning with explicit instructions on how to relay this information to the big guy himself. 
on Christmas Eve, Dad would we read Twas the Night Before Christmas and the Luke verses about Jesus's birth. My brothers and I would put out our cookies and our thank you letters to Santa, put on our new Christmas PJs and go to bed as early was reasonable. Then I would lay in bed for hours, too excited to fall asleep and terrified that since I couldn't fall asleep, Santa would skip our house. But Santa never disappointed. On Christmas morning, my brothers and I would wake up super early and creep to our tree to see what Santa left for us. It was always a wonder-filled experience. And I held on to my belief in Santa for a long time. I loved him. My parents told me he was real, and I had no reason to think they would make up a person. So when I was 10 and a boy in my class, Derek, started making fun of the younger kids at school who believed in Santa, I was not having it. I had a bit, maybe still do, of a reputation for standing up for others, so it wasn't a surprise when I interjected and told Derek to stop being such a meanie. Then I turned to the other kids and told them that I believe in Santa because Santa was real. Maybe Derek didn't believe in Santa because he wasn't being good one year, and instead of taking responsibility for his misbehavior, he decided it was easier to stop believing in Santa. Derek just laughed at me. You still believe in Santa? That's ridiculous, Brittany. It's just your parents. Nah, Derek, it's Santa. He brings me what I want, and I ask him every year. My parents can't afford to get me what I want. This is probably true, but that's the magic of credit cards. Oh my gosh, Brittany, Santa isn't real. Santa is too real. My parents wouldn't lie to me. I turned around and stomped off full of righteous indignation, strongly holding on to the belief that I was right. When I got home that day, I told my parents how sad it was that Derek lost his belief in the greatest man in history, Santa Claus. They looked at each other with that uh-oh look, but I ignored it. Santa shows up every year and this is the thanks he gets. It's so sad that so many kids give up faith in Santa, but Santa never gives up on us. We should do something special for Santa this year. Can we give Santa a thank you present? My dad turned to me and let out a sigh. Brit, we need to talk. Okay, did I do something wrong? No, Brit, Santa isn't a real person. Your mom and I are the ones who buy and put out all the gifts you get from Santa. I started tearing up. My whole world was collapsing. My dad continued. The spirit of Santa moves all of us to give each other special gifts and make magic happen for others. So your mom and I make the Santa magic happen for you and your brothers. Santa isn't real? It's you and mom? You guys are the spirit of Santa? Yeah, it's us, but you could be Santa too. This year you can help make the magic for your little brothers. And that's all it took for me to dive headfirst into becoming Santa. The end. Yay! <clears throat> Snaps for Brittany. Uh, it's very interesting to hear that story and know that we probably should discuss how we're going to approach Santa for our, our son, given that story. So, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going to make the magic is, happen. 
yes, because you are Santa. Uh, <laughs> we have a we have a son. He's a he's seven month old. Uh, seven months old. He's sleeping behind me actually. Uh, Brittany, question for you: As I'm going to ask everyone, what is one holiday tradition that you particularly love from any holiday in the year? I love uh, to watch White Christmas on Christmas Eve with a glass of wine and wrapping paper because I love to wrap presents while I drink and watch my favorite movie. <laughs> that is a good tradition of which I get to be a part. Yay, great. So snaps again for Brittany. Well done, Brittany. Thank you for your story. All right, so one of the things that we do on Zoom that we've been trying out is this idea of a two sentence story. So if you're interested, you can participate in this. I'll read the, your submissions later, kind of toward the end of the show. The way this will work is you will private message me in Zoom, and you can do that by opening the chat box, clicking the blue button that says everyone, and then clicking Michael McRae, and you can send me a private message. And what I'm asking you to do is send me a story that you were telling in two sentences. That doesn't mean like one sentence is one page and the second sentence is the second page. I mean just like two sentences that tells a story. Um, so as an example, it has to be on the theme of holidays, by the way. So here's an example. Uh, every year until he passed, my grandfather read us the night before Christmas in his own made-up version of Pig Aladdin. This year, I finally get to do it for Moonsun. Right? Nice and easy. Two sentences that essentially gives you a little bit of a story. So if you have a two-sentence story on holidays at any point until about the fifth story, send me a private message in Zoom, and then I'll read them uh, toward the end of the, of the night. It's pretty fun. Great. Okay, second story then. When he's not binging Netflix or obsessing over his toy collection, Sam is host and co-founder of Tin Can Stories and a proud member of Outloud HSV. He has been featured at Wright Club ATL, the Princess Theater Center for Performing Arts, and at the Flying Monkey Arts Theater. He also leads discussions for the Joseph Campbell Foundation Mythological Roundtable Group of Huntsville, Alabama. This is his third story at 10 by 9. Please welcome Sam Mitchell. Hey, thank you. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. Happy holidays. Thank you to Michael and John and 10 by 9 for having me. My story is called Everyone Loves a Ventriloquist. Imagine a poorly disguised King Saul seeks anonymous consult with the witches of Endor about an upcoming battle. The last necromancer and magician had mysteriously disappeared from the kingdom when their powers fell short. You see, soothsaying does not work on demand. Recognizing Saul through his makeup, one of the witches improvises by grabbing the closest inanimate object, which, ha which happened to be a wine flask, and begins making it speak. The battle-weary and superstitious Saul believes it to be the work of sorcery and evil spirits, but we all know it to be the wiggling of the bottle and the throwing of one's voice. And this was the birth of ventriloquism. Vengeful for having been put on the spot, she then goes on to tell Saul through the talking wine flash that his armies will fall and that he and his sons will be cast into the abode of the dead. And guess what? She was right. Next battle, Saul's armies are defeated, and as a direct result, he kills himself. King Saul, zero. Witches of Endor, one. And this story only quickens the gut feeling that I had many Christmases ago. Ventriloquism will betray you. It was November 1985. I was sitting on the floor of my grandparents' living room, and while my parents discussed politics with Granny and Pop, I perused the middle section of the holy tome that was known as the Sears Catalog Wish Book, and I scanned each page carefully, even though I had no idea what I was looking for. I thought that I was growing too old for the menagerie of stuffed animals that I called close friends, 
I had yet to bridge my adolescence with wishlist items that may have been more age appropriate for a child in the deep south, such as a camouflage tent, duck boots, or even a 22 rifle. And at most, I was a budding seven-year-old artist in a nine-year-old's body. But somewhere between Cabbage Patch dolls and GoBots, something caught my eye, and the call-out was huge. Can you say it's howdy duty time without moving your lips? Of course I can do that. This may have been the thing I was looking for, so I kept reading. Everyone loves a ventriloquist. Pick your favorite character and become the life of the party, instruction booklet included. Later, I would question my desire for this awkward toy. And through muffled bedroom door, I could hear my father's many interesting questions from my mom about my Christmas list. I could also hear my mom's verbal melee in defense of me expressing myself creatively. And aware of their different parenting styles, my nine-year-old self would have known to direct these questions to the more responsible party, which was Sears, me. Dear Sears, why are you selling Charlie McCarthy dolls to the children of the 80s? Sears, well, market research shows us that kids genuinely love the same vaudeville characters as their grandparents. Christmas morning, 6 a.m., I run down the stairs, make, wake my parents, and make quick work of the wrapping paper that's keeping me from my gifts. And I finally made it to the long, rectangular box that held my new, more mature pal. And I opened this box more slowly than the others to savor this very important moment. And with the front flap pulled down, I saw it. It was a vinyl-headed, dead-eyed doll laid neatly in its own cardboard coffin. In an instant, I felt that I had betrayed my worn and familiar stuffed friends who sat waiting loyally for me on my bedspread. So I gingerly closed the flap and placed the heavy box back on the floor behind me. And although a smile was placed on my face, my true feelings were still handsomely wrapped, gift wrapped in paper and sealed with scotch tape. After thanking them, my parents went back to bed and I went to my room to play with my new gifts. And as I sat on my bedroom rug, I fanned out each present from left to right in order of appreciation. The dummy had not even made it to the sprawl. And curiosity finally bested me and I unboxed a toy. And if the blank stare from the painted eyes hadn't clued me into why I felt so easy, then the blonde hair should have. You see, all of the family that was coming over later that day for our traditional lasagna lunch had dark hair, or at one time in the past had had dark hair. And this devil doll with a head of yellow was some sort of Rolf type from The Sound of Music. He may have been in love with Liesel, but he was fated to rat out the entire Von Trapp family. And one good thing about stuffed animals is that their fur color had never been a point of derision. I'd always carefully named each of my stuffed animals. We had Kinderly and Cubby and Big Eyed Dog. They'd all quickly become part of an adoptive network. We may have not been related, but by God, we were family. And I dared not name this new character, for I knew he would not be staying. And although this oversized hinge mouth abomination made me feel physically ill, I knew that soon my family would be here and they would want a performance. So I had a practice. I pulled the figure to me. I slid my arm inside the cadaver and then began making it speak through clenched teeth. Family arrived, lasagna was eaten, Manashevitz put away, and I reluctantly brought out the dummy for my visiting relatives. I tried on a voice and then realized in front of a live audience that this gift mirrored my uneasiness of outgrowing my childhood things. And after lunch, I snuck the dummy into an opaque garbage bag with the ripped wrapping paper, ribbons, and other boxes. And even though my dad didn't see me do this, I'm sure that if he had, he would have been politely silent. I spent at least one more year playing with my stuffed animals before they made their short journey to the attic. And perhaps most children who were given ventriloquist dummies are destined to sneak them into the garbage without their parents looking. Maybe Sears was obligated to sell these antiquated toys due to an ancient contract between their corporate shareholders and the witches of Endor. But nevertheless, 
When you were home next holiday, after your presents have been opened and your wine drunk and your lasagna eaten, if it's an option, make your way to your attic, find your old stuffed animals, look at them directly in their cute button eyes and thank them for standing beside you on your path to growing up. Thank you. Well done, Sam. <clears throat> Thank you Thanks. so much for your story. All right, same question. What is one holiday tradition from any holiday in the year that you particularly love? I have to say, it's mentioned in the story. It's the, it's the lasagna that I have every year with my family on uh, Christmas Eve. It's the only time of year that we have lasagna. So it's, you know, we, we have a lot of expectations about it. Interesting. And do, are you, do you have Italian ancestry or what's the I, I think, I think, I think it's I think it's a very small amount, but it was definitely celebrated in my family. Like, you know, if we were like one thirty second, then it really felt like it was one half. So um, and it, it's magical because we didn't have the recipe. And I said, where did this come from? It was just on the box of noodles. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, it's both like a really fascinating and and um, insightful but also like deeply discouraging when you learn those kind of secrets like that this incredible recipe just came from a box you know right right but, uh, it's know, just mac and cheese it right yeah <laughs> like an achu mom no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> she she's here by the way <laughs> oh fantastic great all right so um by the way looking for uh two sentence stories if anyone has one you can again send it to me as a private message in zoom uh, and we will read those out Great. Here we go. Oh, actually, you know what? I want to do something else on Zoom. I'd love to see where people are calling in from. So if you will open your chat box and type in where you're calling in from and how long you've been listening or attending 10 by 9. So it'd be really interesting to see how far from how far we're coming and for how long we've been listening. We'll just take a minute and fill in the chat. Unfortunately, I don't have any prizes to give you for the longest listener or the farthest away, but you will have my appreciation, I guess. So Huntsville, year and a half, great. 2014, Cookville, fantastic. Huntsville this year, oh, great. Welcome, Jane, 10 by nine newbie, how delightful. Uh, several Nashville folks, couple of years, great. Outskirts of Nashville, got Dallas, great, deep. Were you in Nashville and then went to Dallas or have you just been listening like to the podcast for three years? Oh, I was in Nashville and then moved to Dallas. Okay, great. Uh, fantastic. Well, sorry that you left. It's not great that you left. I'm sure Nashville is less than, but uh, <laughs> it's good for Dallas <laughs> that they got you. Uh, Hendersonville, fantastic. <laughs> the borough since the beginning, says my parents. Um, great. St. Louis second event. Great. Welcome, Kay. Glad you're here. Um, yes, Alicia, Brentwood and Antioch. Yeah, sounds right. Since last fall. Yeah. Last Cassis many years. That's my Aunt Lisa. Great. 10 by 9 is kind of a McRae family affair and Wilkerson, that's my mom's side. So it's, uh, you'll see a lot of us kind of skirting about. Oh, great. Well, thank you. You can keep filling it in if you like. It's nice to see where people are coming from. <laughs> my father-in-law says he's from Texas and this is, he's joined today. So that's true. Yeah, nice to have you on here, Mark. Great. Okay. It looks like I have one submission uh, for the two-sentence story. So keep them coming in as you like. All right, let's keep going. Next up, Rob McRae is my uncle and the only other person who has been with 10 by 9 from the very first event consistently. Uh, he is also our understorier. So if you don't know what the understory is, stick around and you'll find out. I'll explain it after, after his story. Rob graciously fills in the last minute all the time when we have last minute cancellations. Uh, he has done this more times than I could possibly count. 
Um, but uh, this is also the case tonight. So we had someone who couldn't attend tonight. So Rob's filling in as of two hours notice. Um, he is telling his 29th story tonight. So he's almost a 30, amazing. So please give some snaps for Rob McRae. Thanks, Mike. In fairness, it's a retelling of a story from some years ago. So if you've uh, if you're around, you may remember some echo of this, but uh, uh, glad to fill in. Our family loves Christmas. We have several traditions that have grown up over the year. Uh, my wife, Judy, decorates the house from floor to ceiling, starting Thanksgiving weekend. Santa Clauses, nativity scenes, reindeer, Christmas fellows, even a Santa soap dispenser in the bathroom. Uh, we play Christmas music, especially Bing Crosby's White Christmas album, because nothing says Christmas quite like Bing and the Andrews sisters singing Melakaliki Maka. On Christmas Eve, my father would always read Twas the Night Before Christmas in his own unique way to the children and then the grandchildren and then the great-grandchildren. Every year, we watch holiday movies. My favorite is Scrooge. It's a family favorite. Uh, the musical version of the Dickens tale, Christmas Carol. We can recite every line in the movie, sing every song, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without Scrooge rediscovering the joy of the holiday and showing up at Tiny Tim's house dressed like Father Christmas. And every year, I've been visited by the three ghosts who appear to Scrooge that night. When the ghost of Christmas present comes, I'm haunted by images of our homeless friends alone on the holiday. And he takes me to see the home of one of the kids in the Napier housing community we used to serve. And I see the images of a home without decorations or many presents under the tree or much of a holiday meal. And for years, when the ghost of Christmas future would come, he would show me an empty recliner where my father used to sit with an unread copy of Twas the Night Before Christmas and I dreaded the visit of that ghost. That recliner is now empty. Someone else will read the poem this year. But I always look forward to the visit of the ghost of Christmas past. When she comes to Scrooge, she shows him idyllic images of children singing on wagons and of co-workers at a grand party dancing and laughing and I wonder, were Christmases really that idyllic in his youth? One was for us. It was the Christmas of 1969 here in Nashville. The scene has a soft focus with a little glow like a scene in a movie when she calls it to mind. My dad's whole family had come to visit. His parents, Grandpa Buck and Granny Opal, had come from Oklahoma, his only brother and his family from Baton Rouge. Grandpa Buck bought us our first color TV that year so we could watch Christmas specials in living color. Granny Opal brought her traditional homemade Christmas candy made of caramel with pecans. I don't even like pecans, but that stuff was so rich and so sweet, I ate it anyway. 
And on Christmas Eve night, Dad read the poem. And we hung the red stockings on the white mantle. We set out the milk and cookies. And we kids hurried off to bed, excited because Santa was coming tonight. But what would make this Christmas really special was that mom's whole family was coming too. Her parents, Granddad Corky and Granny Ease, and her brother and his family were all coming over on Christmas Day to exchange presents and eat together. Before the sun even came up, my brothers and cousins and I all came bounding down the stairs to see what Santa had left. There were trucks and dolls and toys and books everywhere. We'd play with our own gifts and then look around to see what each other got and then back to our own again. It was the first Christmas. The whole family would be together. And the presents were great and the fun was great. And the gifts were great except for the matching sweatshirts that Santa gave us that year. We just loved it when we all got matching clothes. We were absorbed in our presence when the adults began gathering bleary-eyed into the room to share the experience. And someone went to the window and opened the drapes and squealed, look, it's snowing. Yes, it was snowing on Christmas morning. We played Bing Crosby's White Christmas every year, but it never really snowed in Nashville. But there was a blanket of snow covering the trees and the houses and the yards. It looked like a picture postcard. Before long, the doorbell rang. It was mom's family arriving for the day. Uncle Tom had his arms loaded with presents and a silly little red cowboy hat on his head, probably one of Chip's presents. We ate meat and eggs and biscuits and gravy for a big breakfast, and then we crowded into the living room to start opening packages. And there were squeals and thank you hugs and the obligatory, just what I always wanted. And by the time we were done, the room looked like an explosion in a paper factory. And then we sat around telling stories, the same family stories we told every year. Granddad Corky sleepwalking, Grandpa Buck's infamous flatulence. It was only a matter of time before someone would say, who did that? And little Mike would say, Peepaw done it. And we told the same stories every time we were with them and laughed out loud every time. And then we gathered around the table again for the feast of turkey and cornbread dressing and ate till we were sick. And my dad pushed back from the table like he always did and said, Yuck. It was a Christmas we would never forget. And it would never happen again. A few days after Christmas, Grandpa Buck and Granny Opal got in their Oldsmobile and drove back to Oklahoma. We have a picture of them getting into the car and waving. It was the last time we ever saw him. A few weeks later, he had a heart attack and died. But one snowy Christmas day, the whole family was together in a beautiful scene that belongs in a Hallmark Christmas movie. At least, that's the way I remember it when I'm visited by the ghost of Christmas past. That's for Rob McRae. <clears throat> Thank you, Rob. 
All right, Rob. So what is one holiday tradition from any holiday in the year that you particularly love? Well, aside from all the ones I mentioned at Christmas, it has to be <laughs> chocolate at Easter. What else would it be? <laughs> After you fasted from chocolate for 40 days into the deep wilderness of, of the famine. And That's right. Give up chocolate. chocolate for Lent and then fall off the wagon on Easter. That's my life. Yeah. That's a, it's a good tradition and one that you, you keep quite uh, consistently. So uh, <laughs> well done. Great. Thank you, Rob. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to move to the next storyteller, and then I'll, I'll tell you about what the understory is after the, uh, the next storyteller. So, so we, I have about five uh, two-sentence story submissions that are coming in. Love them. Thanks for sending them in. If you have one that you're going to send in, this is your last moment because I'll be reading them out loud after the next story. So do stick around at the end of this uh, before, even if we're we sh I don't think we'll go past the top of the hour, but even if we do, we encourage you to stick around so you can hear the understory. So if you're new to 10 by 9, this is what the understory is. Rob McRae, who you just heard from from the previous story before Sally, uh, listens to these stories for the first time, just like you are. He takes some notes on them, which you can see him doing now, listening to the stories. And then he sort of retells us a bit of a summary of the stories. We call it the understory because it's like the story underneath all the stories that ties them together. Uh, so it's a little walk back through the night. Uh, it's really quite fun. Uh, we've been doing it since the very first 10 by 9 that we ran in September of 2013. So we've been doing this for over seven years now, uh, every month. Well, every month until COVID, that threw some things off. But uh, uh, but Rob's been uh, amazing at it. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it'll be a great, great joy to hear. All right. Next up, we have two more stories for you. Bull holds a PhD in human ecology and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He may be the skinniest college professor ever asked to play Santa Claus at a campus holiday event. This is Brad's eighth story at 10 by 9. Please welcome Brad Bull. Okay, thank you. How, how's my volume right here? Is that okay? Got me? Okay. <clears throat> Professor Santa Claus, highly deductive Sherlock Holmes-like character or omniscient benefactor? You be the judge. Several years ago, feeling hemmed in and burnt out by several years of the same old, same old, and having several highly competent coworkers to whom I could delegate most of my usual work, I earned a PhD in child and family studies, and then found myself teaching at a small rural liberal arts college. For the purposes of this story, it doesn't matter which school or where, except that we were not in Maryville, Tennessee, or Merville, as the locals say, if we were in Merville, but we weren't. The student's activities director approached me and said that the college had a tradition of having uh, group pictures with Santa at the annual Christmas festival in the gymnasium. Given that I was new and few of the students knew me, he thought it would be uh, added fun uh, for the students to try to figure out who Santa's identity was underneath their rather well-disguising costume. Well, that seemed like a jolly idea. So I thought, what the elf? But never wanted to do things halfway. I went to Radio Shack and bought a two-way radio with an earpiece that could be discreetly hidden behind the costume beard. With the help of the student activities director, I then recruited two students of the sort that had familiar, familiarity with a large number of students at that small campus. 
They were instructed to hide several feet away behind a grove of artificial Christmas trees and feed me information about those having their picture made. Comedy ensued. Ho, 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 Michael and Jessica, what a cute couple you are. They were like, wait, who, who are you? Ho, 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 I'm Santa Claus. I know that you've been very nice doing volunteer work for Appalachian Outreach, but Michael, besides this campus being a dry campus, I agree with Jessica that you need to take it easy on the Budweiser, even at off-campus parties. And they were like, whoa, who, who are you? But then, the pièce de résistance. A group of gal pals, pointed to a friend who was cowering halfway across the gym with a look of someone about to be run over by a thundering herd of reindeer pulling a sled big enough to hold every SEC championship trophy. The friends explained that they wanted a group picture, but their friend Michelle wouldn't come over unless I would pull back my beard so that she could see my face. I called out, Oh, Michelle, come here so we can meet, little Michelle. She shuddered like someone who had just found a fly in their milk. She yelled, how do you, how, how do you know my name? Now, Michelle was a freshman, and my helpers said into the earpiece that they didn't know her. But that was okay. I can riff. So I said, oh, oh, oh I'm of course I know your name. I know everything about you. For instance, I know that you saw the movie Twilight twice. I'm telling you what, that gal turned and ran from the gym screaming like a little proud boy who has just found out a female kicker at Vanderbilt has scored more points in a football game than he has. We went ahead with the other pictures while the group of gal pals coaxed Michelle back into the gym and closer and closer to the Santa photo station. She kept asking how I knew her. I said, I told you, I'm Santa. I know everything about you. Why, I've known you since you were a little girl hiding behind your mother's leg and peeking out at me at the Maryville Christmas Parade. <laughs> she gasped and she, she was coming, but, but her friends restrained her from running away and we eventually got that picture made Though Michelle looked like Dr. Deborah Burks when she was listening to Donald Trump suggest taking bleach internally to fight COVID. The next day, word spread that I was Santa. I'm telling you what, you just can't trust elves these days to keep a secret. Some of them just need to be put on a shelf. So anyway, Michelle comes up to me in the cafeteria and just has to know how I knew all that stuff about how did, I, how did you know I used to hide behind my mom's leg at the Christmas parade when Santa went by? Um, you have a Santa phobia? These things usually start pretty young, and that's what little kids do when they're scared in public. They hide behind their mother's leg. <sighs> okay, but how did you then marry Marble? Um... You were wearing a Maryville High School marching band t-shirt? She rolled her eyes and laughed and said, 
okay, but how did you know I had seen Twilight twice? I laugh. <laughs> well, it's a popular movie with your demographic right now. I figured you'd probably would have seen it more than once, and I'm made a lucky guess. She shook her head and sighed. Okay, that's why I freaked out and ran out of the gym, because the second time I saw it, I went by myself. <laughs> Great. Snaps for Brad. <clears throat> Thank you, Brad. Oh, have we lost Brad? Are you still no. there? Brad, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Thank you, sir, your story. All right, same question as I said to the other. So what is one holiday tradition from throughout the year that you particularly love? Every year, whether right after Thanksgiving or right after Christmas, I love cold turkey sandwiches. So every year I have this habit and I start cold turkey. <laughs> oh, man. How long did it take you to come up with that one? Have you been thinking of that the whole, the whole show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. great. Actually, it was a Facebook post <laughs> a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> great. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. All right, so now before we get to our final storyteller, let me tell you some of these two sentence stories that we've been getting at. Let me scroll back up and find the first one. So this one's from John Sloop. The first year I stopped believing in Santa Claus, I discovered Christmas gifts in the trunk of the car and told my father there was no Santa. He said, maybe there's not, but you're not getting any of these gifts now. That's a really, that's a tragic story. That's a heartbreaker, John. <laughs> All right, second one comes from Melinda. I don't have a last name. Uh, I was born on Christmas Eve on an ironing board in Clanton, Alabama. I'm 80. Great, thank you, Linda. Thank you for being here, man, fantastic. Uh, great, next one from Susan Metter. The first Christmas that I was clued in on the truth of Santa, I decided to search for the treasure sure to be under the tree for me. I scoured the attic, but found those for my sister and was delighted that I knew what her presence would be. But lo and behold, imagine my surprise when the electric rollers were really for me. Great, thank you, Susan. Ty Powers sent this one in. He looks at a photo of himself as a two-month-old infant beneath his very first Christmas tree, quote-unquote, an expansive set of moose horns festooned with a rainbow of multicolored lights. Fifty-five years later, he chuckles, wondering if the lights were attached before or after the moose met its fate. <laughs> Thank you, Ty. Uh, Paul Shatskin. I remember the night my father bundled us kids into the back seat and drove us around our neighborhood to see the lights. If I close my eyes, I can still see Santa arriving on a rocket ship of red and green bulbs through the back window of our 57 Chevy. Thank you, Paul. And I think this is our last one. You haven't seen any more. This one comes from Marilyn Mox. One holiday as a kid, we had nothing under the tree to eat, nothing under the tree or to eat. And my sister was still very little and my aunt and uncle found out. They got together some thoughtful gifts and food and in one night saved Christmas. Great, that was Marilyn. Thank you all for your two sentence stories. That was very creative, well done. Thanks so much. All right, um, 
Oh, I just heard from our next storyteller that her Wi-Fi is a little bit wonky. So hopefully she's going to get through the story uh, before she disappears into cyberspace. So let's send her all of our best cyberspace wishes. Uh, okay, so our last storyteller, Melissa Ford Thornton is a California girl with a Southern accent, the youngest of four children and the only girl. Thus, she has had a lifelong belief in Santa's magic. This is her seventh story. Please welcome Melissa Ford Thornton. Can you hear me? No. Can you hear me? Put a thumbs up. Thank yes, you. we can. We can. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I can't hear myself. All right. So every stocking has a story, and this one is mine. Uh, Christmas stockings are a big deal in our family. They always have been. My brothers, who are older, had three extra long green ones with their names embroidered at the top and little pom-pom snowmen with real button eyes. I mean, real button eyes uh, sewn carefully into the design. By contrast, as the fourth and fourthborn and surprise child, my stocking was one of those red fake fur, you know, affairs from a discount store with my name, crookedly and misspelled in glue and glitter. Um, I think Dad may have been into the eggnog when he threw it together. Uh, my mom was busily wrapping and baking and addressing Christmas cards. I have to admit, a tiny seed of hurt bloomed in my chest when the holidays rolled around and I saw those three perfectly matched stockings hung by the chimney with care. I guess most kids notice, you know, something different, but in my young emotional landscape that translated into being left out. Santa magic transformed everything on Christmas morning. That jolly elf doesn't play favorites. All of our stockings, all four of us, um, had a small ornament inside reflecting our interests and personalities. My brothers received things like a surfboard or hand-painted cars, a tiny tin soldier. Mine were just as special, a glass starfish or teddy bear. My favorite was delivered by Santa the year I was neck deep in preteen angst. Um, it was a cat with a particularly sardonic expression on its little bewhiskered face. There were a few tubes of chapstick pushed down in that sock and all was walnuts and an orange and chocolate candies down to the tippy toe, filling it up. The year I married, my husband Mark and I decided we'd do that dorky cute, I guess, couple thing and make stockings matched for ourselves. Of course, we wanted these to be unique and old-fashioned. A fabric store near the river in Nashville was a treasure trove of inspiration. Calico plaid, rickrack lace, and patchwork galore filled into the aisles. We found our pattern and selected the fabric and then purchased twice the yardage required for two stockings. After all, one day, Santa was going to give the nod to the stork, right, and deliver babies to complete our family. I was not then, nor am I now, a seamstress, but by golly, I'm up for almost any challenge. 
the stocking I sewed has this weird uh, squared off toe um, instead of the nice rounded stocking uh, foot. But my husband sewed his and we drank hot chocolate to celebrate our accomplishment. Every year, he and I placed them on the mantel hooks with eager anticipation as the years went by. Three, five, ten, twelve years. We watched families grow around us. Friends and co-workers welcoming beautiful newborns and neighborhood parks filling with young voices and laughter. Our home remained a quieter place. Just the two of us in love, but a little sad as that extra fabric remained folded and yellowing in a corner of the linen closet. That 14th Christmas Eve, we sat up late drinking hot chocolate by the fire and silently holding hands, we admitted to ourselves and each other that we were gonna remain a family of just two. We um, refocused our time and energy. We planned more vacations. We remodeled the spare bedroom into an office. Then we had an opportunity to join a mission team that was constructing an orphanage in Costa Rica. That sounded like an adventure, right? Um, and who doesn't want to visit the coast and coffee farms in that peaceful country? Mark and I fell head over heels in love with the boys and girls with huge dark eyes and beautiful smiles. We knew we would return every year to that orphanage to visit the amazing children who called it home. And we have, by the way, except for this one year, because Santa and the stork conspired and even the best laid plans can go astray. Yes, we learned we were gonna have a baby of our own. We raided the linen closet. I guess most people would be putting up, you know, um, childhood outlet covers and everything, but no, we pulled out our Singer sewing machine <laughs> and we got to work. I'll be honest, that pregnancy was as scary as it was exciting. I wasn't a spring chicken, though he was premature. Our son entered the world hollering and healthy. He's a college student now and still comes home during holidays. He hangs up his matching stockings every Christmas Eve, but this year as I help Santa shop for things to tuck inside that stocking, I find myself bypassing the ornaments in search of masks that he'll find cool, you know, with like the Mandalorian and Shit's Creek themes. I go on a mom on a mission hunt hand sanitizer that doesn't smell like Schitt's Creek. Yeah, good luck with that. Antibacterial wipes. I order an ultraviolet screen cleaner and a digital thermometer. I throw a few flavored chapsticks into my cart half-heartedly, but then this long-forgotten emotion catches me mid-stride, a nostalgic feeling from holidays past before a pandemic swept our world. It seems unfamiliar. I, I finally identify it as a seed of hope blooming in my chest. I quickly retrace my steps back to the aisle with vintage ornaments on display. I look long and hard and find the perfect one. 
It's a Model T in miniature. Our son's name is Ford, by the way. I know on Christmas Eve, I'll tuck that tiny car and chocolate kisses and chapstick, other goodies, maybe a walnut collection and, you know, an orange into that third and most beloved stocking, the one that was always somehow in the plan. Because even in 2020, a stocking deserves a bit of Santa magic. Thank you, Melissa. <clears throat> Lovely way to end. Thank you so much. Uh, so same question for you before we move on to the understory. What's one holiday tradition that you really love? I love friends, uh, Friendsgiving. I do it the day after uh, Thanksgiving. And I always bake my mom's recipes, which I don't get to because I'm not a Southerner. I'm from California. We have these weird dressings, not stuffings, etc. And um, I invite people over who don't have traditional families and it's beautiful. I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks for telling the story. Let's give it up for all six of our storytellers tonight. Snaps and claps. Thank you all so much for your, uh, for your time and for your stories. So in just a minute, you're going to hear the understory from Rob. I'm going to give him a couple of minutes to wrap that up. So just another word about what's happening uh, next. So I mentioned before, we're, we've decided to just um, take a little breather from 10 by 9. Uh, I've been, you know, been running this for seven years, almost monthly until March. And so one, we're just tired. <laughs> and two, uh, we, we just feel like it might be better to wait until uh, we can get back together in person. So we may at some point between now and September decide we want to just throw together an impromptu 10 by 9. So I'd encourage you to go ahead and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and our website. I've put those in the chat. So it's uh, 10 by 9, T-E-N-X and the number 9, Nashville.com. And on Instagram and Facebook, 10 by 9 Nashville. If we decide to do another online event, we'll post about it there. And, um, and I'm, I'll send an email to everyone who's registered. So you'll get notified, but you can stay in touch that way. But my anticipation is that we will do our next 10 by 9 Nashville in person, um, uh, probably sometime around September. So John, you've got something for us. No, Michael, I just wanted to, to jump in to say, you know, we appreciate everybody being here tonight. Uh, if, if, as things change again, when we do something else, either it's online or in public, we really need everybody's help in getting that word out since we're no longer doing this monthly. So I'm just asking everybody who's here to keep an eye on what's going on and then really help us publicize the change to everybody that you know that might be interested, new folks, but get it out to everybody who's done this before. That would be great. Thank you. And John, by the way, is our story editor. Gayatri Narasimham is our podcaster. Rob McRae is the understorier. So go get some snaps for the 10 by 9 team. Thank you all so much for all the work that you do to help me keep this thing going. Uh, so if you are interested in getting, staying involved in, in 10 by 9 and still hearing stories, other than following us on Instagram and keeping in touch that way, and I'll post some prompts and stuff to get you thinking about stories just in general. The 10 by the original 10 by 9, the one in Belfast in the north of Ireland, uh, is consistently doing events still on Zoom. Uh, so that would be your best shot. So you can join the Belfast one with the two people that started 10 by 9 in the beginning. So that's Padre Gotuma and, and Paul Doran. Uh, you can find that it's 10by9.com. So just 10by9 in general.com. And on Instagram, they're 10 by 9 storytelling. 
and on Facebook, it's just 10 by nine, I think, or it may be 10 by nine Belfast, but you can find it. It's the, it's the, it'll just be 10 by nine. Um, find theirs. They're usually on Wednesday. I think the next one is this coming Wednesday. Um, the theme is Jingle Bells, so it's another holiday one. Uh, and you can, you can join there with folks from all, they have people from all over the world calling in. Uh, so that's a great way to, to stay in with the 10 by nine stories. It is in the middle of the, it's in Ireland, so it's 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. their time. So it's like one in the afternoon here. So it is in the middle of your work day, but if you want to take a break and listen to some stories, that's a great way to do it. Also, they are consistently putting out stuff on their podcast as well. So you've got two podcasts to listen to, the 10 by 9 Nashville one. You can catch up on years of stories. And then you also have the 10 by 9 podcast for uh, Belfast that has lots of great stories too. So there are lots of ways to still get your story fixed, uh, even though we won't be doing too many more live events uh, online for the time being. So. Great. All right. Well, uh, I'm now going to hand it over to Rob McRae for your understory. So here's Rob. Tonight, Nashville, we shared the holidays. We believed boiled water froze faster and were terrified Santa wouldn't come if we were awake. And we presented profound arguments for Derek's loss of faith until we learned that we could become Santa. We scoured the Sears wish book till we zeroed in on how to say howdy duty time without moving our lips. But we opened a devil doll with yellow hair and ended up grateful for the support of our stuffed animals. We were visited by ghosts of holidays long ago who showed us idyllic scenes of loved ones and feasting and stories and memories we would love to live again. We were unexpectedly homeless in America when a pretty blonde diver invited us home for Christmas break. We experienced spitting out olives and gluttony at Buffalo Wild Wings and secret cookie recipes. And in that moment, they felt like family. We played Santa in the Merville Gym, complete with radio-assisted secret revealing and Michelle scaring, accomplished with a little pop psychology and a lucky guess. But for a while, we had them saying, what the elf? We made and hung our own and drank hot chocolate and filled each other's stockings every year for a dozen years. When the news finally came, we pulled out the Singer sewing machine and the unused extra fabric. This year, a seed of hope fills the third and most beloved stocking, our holidays. Maps for Rob McRae. Thank you, Rob, for a beautiful understory. Thank you all so much for joining yet again and, and giving us an hour instead of giving it to Netflix. We really appreciate your support. When we do get back in person or online, we please come along. Deepa, drive from Dallas, uh, and uh, we would love to have you back in person or online. So thank you. Find other ways to have stories. Tell stories to your friends and family, uh, and stay safe. So thank you so much. Have a lovely holiday. Take care. Happy everybody. holidays. Bye. Happy holidays. Thank you. That's us, friends. Thanks for listening to our stories. A special thanks to all the storytellers and to the 10 by 9 team, the understorier, Rob McRae, the editor, John Sloop, 
and our podcaster, Gayatri Narasimham. We'd love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at 10x9Nashville, and hop on over to our website, 10x9Nashville.com, to keep up with the events, the past stories, and to peruse our tips for how to be a good storyteller. I'm your host, Michael McRae, and remember, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story.